What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Like the aristocrats might actually be more true than the Ten Commandments. <laughs> Welcome to Recotopia, a happy home for recommended movies, shows, and music from two people you can definitely trust. Trustability varies by region, no guarantee is implied. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Atkinson and Jeremy Scott. everybody hello. hello there was a countdown again yay the countdown <laughs> returned that must mean uh, we have a producer that's right that must mean that um uh we are doing episode 13 of recotopia today the uh, big re- recommend is going to be lock mm-hmm. and uh we are uh yes look at the chat it is it is uh brimming with comments already uh we are we are uh shouting out the uh the uh, people in the chat right now thanks for watching us today we're going to be talking about a wide range of movies today no mm-hmm. doubt about it anyway no. my name is chris atkinson and i'm jeremy scott yep and uh let's start <clears throat> with a small recommend it's no big deal it's so small and light it's small it's tiny it's petite it's wee. i'll start it off with you know this you know this is one of those things you you, you here's a movie you probably never heard of before but mm-hmm. I was recommended it uh, a few months ago. I finally got around to watching it. I had to order it special on Amazon uh, to, to find it. It's called Zulu. It came from 1964. It is an in- introducing Michael Caine movie. Wow. Um, uh, I will say that the and introducing probably a different spirit back in the 1960s because <laughs> okay. Michael Caine had a lot of credits before this. I don't think a like a lot of big movies or anything, a lot of TV, a lot of things like that. Um, but I was recommended this movie and it's a, it's a, a battle that happens in South Africa between British soldiers and Zulu uh, warriors uh, back in the day. The Zulu warriors had already gotten uh finished with uh they had they just completely destroyed a british regiment of some sort um in in a battle and then the movie starts off by showing us a bunch of the zulu dancing around and they are uh there a lot of the men are getting married to the women in the tribe and we see it through the eyes of uh of these missionaries from sweden who have who have uh, uh, I guess are trying to uh, uh, trying to pass along their faith to the Zulu, um, and uh, and uh, they find out while they're there that oh they're ready they're about to attack this group is about to attack a small area um, that the British have and it's just being used as a hospital, but they're in the area and and they've just gotten off of a fight from british so they're gonna go they're gonna go fight them and it's really interesting how this movie uh portrays the sides i i think there's still a big like british uh uh i would say there's a british uh i don't know it's 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 more balanced than normal. Like it doesn't <laughs> portray the Zulu necessarily as bad guys or anything. Um, it's just that there is still a bit of a British kind of a, a bent to it. 
uh, because because all the characters, all the British characters have have names like you know like uh, Jonesy and 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 you know like they have the nicknames and we get to know about their lives and everything. The Zulu we don't really get to know that much, but the <coughs> way the Zulu attack this fort and everything is really interesting. How they discuss how they're going to defend this fort is really interesting and. Uh, the battles are really are really well staged. It is 1960, so a lot of the there's a lot of pulling punches and pulling, you know, a lot of like uh, stuff that's not exactly connecting there. But this is a really well made movie uh, that uh, I would recommend to to everyone, and you get to see Michael Caine in what would be his I would think is his er, his early 30s, I believe, is when this movie came out. Uh, this is his and introducing role. So, um, so, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of good acting, a lot of good action. I would recommend it. Excellent. Excellent. I, this is one of those movies that I'm not sure I've heard very much about. I've certainly never seen it. So this is going on the list and I'm going to start off with my small recommend. Uh, as I think you did a similar thing last week, this is a show that's not over yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so take that in mind. Uh, winning time, the rise of the Lakers dynasty. Yeah, man. This is when I saw the previews for this, I was like, I'm watching that. And I haven't watched it yet. Okay. Well, I, I got somehow this is, I do this a lot. I have odd pattern. I got sucked into episode six, mm-hmm. um, without having seen any of it. And then, uh, went back and basically binged over a day and a half to get caught up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the latest episode to air is eight. There are two more. Uh, first and foremost, uh, the best thing about this is the cast. Um, everybody's having a really good time and or giving a great performance. Just some of the cast is John C. Riley, Jason Clark, Gabby Hoffman. No, oh, wow. um, They've listed it in order of appearance, so I have to jump around a little bit here because it's Sally Field, Adrian Brody, Tracy Letts, your boy, um, mm-hmm. Jason Siegel, um, <clears throat> Wood Harris from The Wire. Yeah. Uh, and this is in the 79, basically Magic Johnson's first season with the Lakers and Dr. Buss, the basically Hugh Hefner of sports owners, uh, played by John C. Riley, decides to spend all the money he doesn't have and put it on this team this year to win a championship. Uh, he renovates the stadium. He introduces this new club for it's basically like a strip club for VIPs. And he turns the game experience into a party um, in many ways that sort of revolutionized sports. Um, and this is following everyone. It's following Dr. Buss and his family. Uh, Sally Field is his mom. It's following Jeannie Buss, his daughter. as She mm. learns what a terrible human her dad is. <laughs> uh, it's following Jerry West, the former coach who's just stepped down but can't quite leave the organization behind. It's following Tracy Letts, who's the coach they bring in from Portland, um, who wants to do an all-up tempo, and he actually ends up revolutionizing the sport of basketball. Uh, Pat Riley uh, is Adrian Brody, who, who has a ring on his finger for the Lakers, but can't get a job as a color analyst for them these Hmm. days. Um, This is an Adam McKay produced deal. So Mm -hmm. I am kind of impressed that I'm enjoying it as much as I am because I haven't enjoyed his last couple of films. Mm -hmm. Uh, This show breaks the fourth wall constantly, and it's not just one character. Uh, Many scenes are punctuated with somebody turning the camera and going, fuck. Um, (laughs) And... It's pretty effective. Uh, <clears throat> what is falling short for me so far, the only caveat is that it's pretty heavy-handed or lazy with some of its themes. So mm. Pat Riley wants to get a job as a color analyst, can't leave the sport behind, doesn't know what to do with his life. He's drifting, right? Mm-hmm. What's, what's, what should we do? Let's have him walk down to the beach. And let's put a big ass piece of driftwood there <laughs> and have it kick around on the sand a bunch while he stares at it. The mm-hmm. show does this constantly. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, like somebody is somebody's feeling surrounded on all sides, cut to a shot of vultures picking at the carcass of nah, an animal. Yeah. Uh, it's just uh, I don't like that aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are also weird music choices straight out of Boogie Nights in scenes with John C. Riley. And yeah. I don't understand those choices either because those songs 
are permanently boogie nights for me, mm-hmm. even if they were 70s staples. It, and then you put it in a scene with one of the stars of boogie nights. Yeah. But it's fun. It's raunchy. There's lots of language and sex. They're not shying away from Magic Johnson liking the sex. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of interesting player dynamics. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is a, a veteran at this point. Um, I'm enjoying it. I'm hoping they'll pick it up for another season, uh, and I can see where it goes from here. Um, but uh, that's a recommend. That The only caveat there is it's pretty raunchy, and mm. you know it's pretty heavy-handed with some of the imagery. But mm-hmm. uh, it's really fun, man. I'm having yeah. a lot of fun. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. I definitely want to watch this at some point. Um, all right. Uh, my uh, second small recommend comes from 1994. It's called Chungking Express. Um, I watched this on uh, uh, the Criterion channel, um, and um, and uh, this comes from Wong Kar Wai. This this movie, I had no idea going into it what what was what this was about. Um, I had heard of it back in 1994 when this came out, and I never got to see it. And um, and uh, it's 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 weird because it's two different stories that they tell. It's 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 almost. I don't even know if you would want to call this an anthology because it's it's just uh, it's just two stories and they told tell them separately. So uh, the first story is a guy who's just broken up with his girlfriend and he keeps going to this uh, snack bar place and the guy behind the counter is like, you should ask this girl out behind the counter. She's great and whatever. And uh, but she has the same name as his girlfriend and uh, and like. Uh, and he, and he thinks that his, his, uh, ex-girlfriend is going to come back to him. And he, uh, uh, he, he has this system set up in place where he's trying to eat all, he's trying to, he has a system set up in place where he's buying pineapple, uh, stuff in a can that is nearly at its expiration date. And he feels like if, if he can, if he can buy 30 of these before May 1st of 1994 or whatever, and eat them all uh, uh, and, and she doesn't call him back, then it's not meant to be. So that's sort of the first, the first story. He also, uh, starts falling in love with this woman who is a straight up gangster in the, and he's a, he's a police detective buried the lead. He's a police detective. Um, (laughs) um, uh, uh, so like there's a point where he, he meets this woman at a bar and he tries to hit on her and try and, uh, and they, and the movie goes to an uncertain, I don't want to spoil anything at that point. Uh, but he meets her at a bar and then, and then we go on into the second story. The second story stars, uh, Tony Lung, who a lot of people, uh, know from Shang-Chi, um uh from the past uh, few months he it was his american debut tony lung is also in the movie hard boiled um uh, mm. but uh, uh it's him and he has just broken up with his girlfriend and there's another girl behind the counter that this oh. guy and it's, it's the <clears throat> same store um but this girl obviously this girl obviously likes him but doesn't show it uh, in any way she's always playing that uh, california dreaming song by the mamas and the papas always playing that song and uh but she's she's he she's sort of in love with him from afar um one day his ex-girlfriend gives him gives goes to the store saying is is he on his beat today this guy tony lung also plays a cop um is he on his beat today and they're like no he's not on his beat today or whatever it was like well could you give him this and it's and uh it's basically just a uh a key uh, uh from his apartment that she's returning back to him the girl behind the counter ends up taking this key and visiting his apartment uh whenever he's not around and so like there's scenes in there where he's like he's like talking to his inanimate objects like he's talking to his soap and stuff like that and he's like ah you were you were once so so big and big and round and now you've just wasted away or something like that and uh but then there's one day he goes in goes wow you seem a little bit bigger than you used to and uh so like there's stuff like that that happens and and this is going to an uncertain end as well it's a very unusual movie yeah. Uh, and it's, Sounds and it's, like it. and it's well worth watching just for, just for that, because it's, 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 uh, it's fun. The, the, uh, on the picture here that a lot of people will not be able to see on who are not watching the live stream, the picture of this girl here is the girl in the second uh, story. 
Oh, she's wonderful. Oh, she's so yeah. wonderful. She's she, you will fall in love with her uh, immediately. Um, uh, even though she is basically committing crimes in the movie, but uh, but it's a, a it's a lot of fun. Uh, so I would uh, I would definitely recommend Chunking Express. Wouldn't be the first criminal I fell for. That's true. Um, That's true. All right. So uh, much as I did last week, I'm going to recommend a movie that Rotten Tomatoes does not like, uh, or at least I'm going to make the case for this movie. Uh, this is a 2014 film, mostly starring uh, Jason Bateman, called This Is Where I Leave You. Mm. This has a 44 on Rotten Tomatoes, but a 6.6 on IMDb, which is a little more, a little less bad. But on Rotten Tomatoes, before the show, I was reading through some of the negative reviews, and it's fascinating how many of them said one kind of version of, I expected to laugh more with this cast, Mm -hmm. or it didn't push enough boundaries, Mm. which is interesting. Um, there There are laughs to be had, but this is a dramedy. This is basically, if you've seen... Home for the Holidays uh, mm-hmm. with Holly Hunter, or if you've seen, uh, what is it, The Hollers with uh, John Krasinski. Mm-hmm. Uh, family members, many adults coming back to the home, bickering, long, bitter disputes come up, comedy ensues. This is that kind of a movie. What happens is the father dies. He was an atheist Jewish person, mm-hmm. and his dying request was for his four sons to all come back home and live under the same roof for seven days, which they say is sitting shiva, which I'm not familiar with Jewish practices at all. Yeah. Um, of note, that's interesting. This is directed by Sean Levy or Levy. I don't want to mispronounce his name. Mm-hmm. Most recently made The Adam Project and Free Guy. Mm-hmm. He also made Real Steel. Yeah, Pink Panther movies uh, and the Night at the Museum movies. Uh, so his track record is not awful. Um, I'm not going to tell you this movie's amazing, but let's look at this cast really quick. We have Jason Bateman, Tina Fey, Jane Fonda, Rose Byrne, Corey Stoll, your boy Adam Driver, Catherine Hahn, Connie Britton, Timothy Oliphant, Dax Shepard, um, and Ben Schwartz. Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> this is before Ben Schwartz was famous for being Ben Schwartz. Mm-hmm. He plays uh, a rabbi who grew up with the kids and they used to call him Boner when they were kids. And now that he's a rabbi and they're back as adults, they keep calling him Boner and it pisses mm-hmm. him off. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this movie. I have. Um, okay. I, it's, it, go ahead. I was, I, I, I was pleasantly surprised with this as well I, when I saw this because I had been, I had been given nothing but negative reviews about it as well but i watched it and thought oh this is really good and and yeah you guys unless unless someone is so typecast i don't know if you should really worry about what they've done in the past just see if this thing works for you on the level that it does i I think a lot of people get somebody's other characters mixed in with their other work too much in some of this stuff and jason bateman's one of those um, because Bateman for the longest time was this guy from Arrested Development or whatever yep. that was in a lot of these other movies. And it is kind of hard, but like now that he's done Ozark and all that stuff, of course, Ozark, he had not done by the time this movie came out, but right. you can tell, you could tell he had something a little bit more, uh, in yeah. Him, and so. I mean, Driver is given the much more straight up comedic role. Uh, he's very much playing similar to the character he was on girls very very unpredictable um hilarious and mm-hmm. and, and Bateman has some laughs but he's depressed he just mm-hmm. caught his wife cheating on him and now he has to sit in a house with seven for seven days with his siblings that none of them like each other and uh I I have seen this movie three times now a couple times maybe back when it came out and then most recently like two three days ago and I was just reminded how much I enjoy it I just it's not going to break any ground. It didn't win any Oscars, but uh, mm. way better than 44% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. By the there way, sitting, sitting Shiva is a seven-day period of mourning. Um, okay. <clears throat> uh, the, only, the first time I heard it was in A Serious Man, and it's sort of tossed off as a funny like uh, one-liner thing where, like, okay. uh, I don't know if you ever saw uh, A Serious Man, but... Um, uh, but there's a point where the cops come to try to get Richard kind because of some like gambling thing or whatever. And he's like, he's like, do we have to do this right now? We're sitting Shiva here. And he keeps saying we're sitting Shiva here, you know, and stuff like that. (laughs) Um, so, um, 
Anyway, um, all awesome. right. On to the big recommend. The big recommend. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's just that you're so big. It's so huge. It's a good rule, but this is bigger than rules. It's bigger on the inside. Is it? I noticed. Oh. Okay, so uh, this week's big recommend is also from 2014, uh, and it is called Lock with an E. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I just watched this this morning. Okay. I, I try and do my viewings for these things as close to recording time as possible. Like, usually we go at 11 central. So I, I wouldn't have time in the morning to watch a movie. So I usually do them on Monday afternoon. Uh, but this time when we had to bump the schedule, I knew I would have time and I waited and I savored this thing mm. today. Mm-hmm. And I, I haven't seen it since I recommended it to you, maybe five, six years. Really? Ago. Wow. And I have seen it with new eyes. Yeah. I have, seen things in this film that I did not see before. I think I have done a 180 on my opinion of the choices made in this film. Ooh. But let's start with the basics. (laughs) Locke is a story about Tom Hardy. He has left this big concrete poor job site to go to a hospital in London where a woman that he had a one-night stand with Uh, is about to give birth to a baby. He thought he had time to plan all this, but her water broke early, two months early. So on the way, he has to call his second-in-command and inform him, hey, the biggest poor in the history of Europe is about to go down, and it's all on you. He has to call his boss Mm -hmm. and explain, and he has to call his wife and say, I'm not only not coming home tonight, I slept with this other woman, got her pregnant, and I'm going to go there tonight to be with her and the baby. So it's a lot more than simply a guy driving, making phone calls, even though that's a great way to pitch it once you've seen it, because uh, that's just giving you as little as possible going in, and mm-hmm. this movie will punch you in the gut all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> And we just get to watch him. We get to watch his face, his emotions, his mannerisms, as he experiences all these emotions. Um, I love this movie more than ever, mm-hmm. having seen it uh, again for this podcast. Uh, what's your overall opinion? Yeah, uh, since you recommended it a few years ago, I probably this is probably my fourth uh, run through on Lock. It's such a short movie, and it's easy to put yeah. on. Um, but, uh, yeah, I love it more this time than I did the first time. Uh, one of the things in this viewing that I noticed that I didn't really notice before was, um, when he is stopped at the light at the beginning of the movie, he makes the decision right there. I, I, I never really like got that before that he made the decision right there because he's like at this light it changes he doesn't go through it somebody honks at him yep and And then he turns on his his signal and uh and uh and you've gotta you've gotta think about everything that he decides right there he doesn't have to do this no he doesn't he has there's absolutely no reason actually for him to do this other than to show his dad that he's better than him when it comes down to this type of thing and whether or not he is better than him i don't know that's a really interesting question i'd i'd say because it seems like he is the exact same person his father was it's so (sighs) okay to get to the meat let's jump to the end he he loses everything Mm mm-hmm for this one decision that he makes on principle. Mm-hmm. And it's not just principle. It's not just, I'm not going to do to this kid what my dad did to me. He's mad. There's so much pain. When he's talking to his dad in the back, who's not really there, he's not saying, I'm not going to be you. He's saying, I would like to dig up your bones and bring you to the hospital so you could watch me be better than you and it will be the best day in hell because they don't have to deal with you for 24 hours. He's so mad. Mm-hmm. And this this viewing, that's what I keyed in on is trauma and what trauma does to a person and how long it stays with them and how mm-hmm. it can impact 
He's so mad. He's not going to do the same thing. And in making that decision, he does the same thing to his existing family. Yeah. That's, and what, I, that's what I get out of it. I That's what I was sitting there thinking. I was like, you're, you're, <laughs> this is a sick version of the trolley problem, right? <laughs> It really is. That's a good point. Because because he because he he could he could have now. There is another interesting layer to this too, though. Um, on this one that I didn't really realize the first couple of times that I watched, uh, his wife, after finally coming to the resignation p- period, after she's cried about it and she's been angry about it. She starts thinking about all the bad stuff that he did, or the the stuff that was annoying that she she let go because he yeah. loved because she was she loved him and everything. And then you start thinking maybe maybe this guy's obsession with buildings was going to cause the end of this marriage anyway. Yeah, and it's interesting reading the trivia to this because the uh, who was the actress who plays his wife uh, Ruth Wilson something Wilson maybe I don't yeah. remember. Um, uh, she, uh, was told like somewhere midway through all of this. And I think Tom Hardy filmed his thing in six days. So like that, I guess this movie got shot basically in a week, but that's awesome. Um, but, uh, he kept on introducing new wrinkles and he wanted her to play the part as if someone who was thinking about leaving him, uh, before this happened. And now she's finally got, uh, a, a reason, uh, wow. to do it uh and you can tell that in her voice when she starts talking about the concrete he leaves on the yeah. kitchen floor I'll and no longer have to scrape stone off the kitchen floor right and and like his whole life he obviously he travels he goes all sorts of other places uh for months to do pours and like he can't he he came home happy not because he slept with some woman he came home because the building got built yeah and and, and he's that's he's where telling his her that, yeah, and he's telling her that like he's trying to get out of trouble because he's saying no, I wasn't happy because of the sex. Mm-hmm. I was. He thinks this is a, an excuse. This yeah. is going to save him. I right. was happy because of the building, and she, right. you loved your buildings more than us all along. True. Yeah. Oh my God! I actually think right at the end when the the, the older son, I think it's the older son, uh, is is explaining that goal that happened in the game. Mm-hmm. And you see Tom Hardy, I believe that is the moment he realizes I just became my father to them. Yeah. Even though I'm not going to do it to Bethan's kid. There was no way he wasn't going to, he put himself in a situation where there was no way he wasn't going to turn into his father for some kid. Mm -hmm. And that's how much of that was subconscious. How much of that was the, the PTSD of growing up and hating that father that was just always lingering there. Is that why he took a job where he could be gone for months and not actually have to get too close to his wife? There's so many ramifications here. Once I start examining generational trauma uh, through the lens of this movie or vice versa, um, it just, it hits so much. The first time I watched this movie, I thought, yes, good job, dude. You did, you did not do what your dad did. You made a principled decision and you stuck to it. Mm-hmm. But this time through, I'm 100% in the opposite camp. Dude, you fucked up. Like, yeah, you had no good choice, but you, you chose poorly. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and unless Bethan uh, played again wonderfully by Olivia Coleman, yeah. um, if, if she is the type to start calling him at his house, which we haven't gotten any indication that that's the case. Yep. Um, he could, I mean, I guess it is the right thing. It's definitely the right thing to tell, but like you, there's no winning. There's no winning from that. That's why it's such an interesting choice for him to, to make this, this choice. Cause you know, it's, 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 what would you do in that situation? I'm I'm not sure. I'm I'm pretty I'm like pretty honest to a fault like he is. I probably would do the same thing he does, but mm. I'm not saying that's the right thing to do though. Like to to because you know what's what this is going to cost your family, but going back to the the goal, which is another interesting thing about this movie. I don't know if this was on, was conscious or not, but it seems like everybody's having a moment that they normally wouldn't on this day. 
the mm. uh you know mm. bethan is having her child two months early he uh you know uh Locke is uh deciding to against all of his own uh self-interests uh has decided to say goodbye to his job and his family uh, to make this drive, and this guy Caldwell, who kicks two goals in the in the in the soccer <laughs> match, in the football, he's a donkey. <laughs> he's yeah. He has had he's he's having the best game of his life apparently yep. tonight. Uh, and then and then what it what it's making everybody else do the the it's almost like Locke's decision is affecting everybody even inadvertently somehow like how does Caldwell get affected by this is what I'm sitting there like wondering during this whole thing is there a, is there some like semi connection between the two um when Locke calls uh you know his second command played fucking fantastically by Andrew Scott by the Amazing. way we had a question last week about a character actor becoming a Brad Pitt George Clooney type of career this fucking guy man yeah. and that there's that scene it puts hairs it like it stands the hairs on my on my arms when he goes when he's telling him like you don't get to tell me what how yeah. to act you know yeah and uh and, and but hardy takes it all in stride he knows he's yep. a fuck up in this situation he's ta yep. he's ready to take all the abuse and he yep. knows he deserves it but god damn andrew scott and uh he um but just hit him you know, like, you know, hearing about this and being like, oh, Jesus Christ, oh, no. And, <laughs> and he's going to have to do all this stuff himself. But I, I think a lot of people out there have been in situations like this, right? Like, we're sure. not, not this exact situation, but you are a second person. You know the job, but you rely on the other person to do all the decision making. Now you're the guy who has to make the decisions. And you will end up being very good if not close to what this guy represents to you that's what i feel like andrew scott is even though he's drinking cider and uh <laughs> and everything one can of fucking cider yeah um yeah, so uh so so yeah um i we we all i think we all know that he's going to be capable when this pour happens tomorrow because we can tell the, the way he talks over the phone when he inspects the rebar and he finds out that it's not going to be able to withstand the load and all this. And I love all this little uh, industry jargon, like the, you know, the, the C6 concrete and, and yeah. all that. And like how, how it can't, like some of these concrete mixing companies are like, well, can you do just a little bit lower than that? Like, fuck yeah. no, we can't do lower than that. You're just trying to cheap out on the deal. Um, uh, but, uh, once he inspects that rebar and realizes it's not going to hold the the concrete and he calls you know Locke about it that's when Locke is like okay well you know i know these these guys who will help you set it perfectly and everything and and uh and this guy is learning you know sort of on the fly that there are a, a lot of solutions to problems that you didn't mm. think of before so yeah yeah i uh I love the detail that even we were talking about how everyone's having a unique night for them and an mm -hmm. out of character night for them. Even his wife had finally put on the shirt. Put on the shirt. She's wearing the soccer jersey. And I think that only <laughs> exacerbates her reaction because she's like, I finally did this thing for you, mm -hmm. only for you to do this thing to me. Yeah. I also love how exacting he is. And this. <clears throat> There are details about his personality. The conversations with the sons, I think, show him to be a good father. Uh, but in almost in, with his wife and with his boss, he keeps correcting them during tense conversations when there's no need to correct them. Gareth, his boss, is saying, "Oh yeah, I told him you've been with us for ten years." And he's like, nine years." And he's right. like, Okay, whatever. I, you know, the point is, you're fired. I went in there. I told him you you never had a foot wrong in ten years, and he's like, nine years. And mm -hmm. I'm like, dude, this just stop. But this is part of probably what makes him really good at his job. Yep. is that he is so exacting, and I think that's why that stuff is in there. But even his even his wife says something about the road. Are you still worried about the road closure? And he's like, it's not a closure. It's a stop and go. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and I, I think that's what makes him good at his job, but bad at well, familying. And, <laughs> and there's another thing too with, uh, with Andrew Scott, where he's saying something about like, all right, so it's, it, I think he's, so it's C6 then or something like that. And he knows it's C6, but Tom Hardy's like, 
it's not a question. It is C6. That's what it is. And he's like, I was like, well, sometimes I say things and it's not really a question. I'm just, you know, and, he, and he's like, I'm just saying it's not C5, it's C6. And he keeps going back round and round about this. What does uh, it say on the whiteboard, Donald? Right, right. Uh, what else do we have to say about this before um, we move on and uh, jump into? Oh, no, this is an interesting, um, this is... Uh, I, I have run into people who do not like Locke, and I, I, I guess I can see their point uh, about it. Uh, I don't know. I, I can't share those feelings, though, but I guess it's it doesn't feel cinematic to them or, uh, you know, th- this is something that you could just do on the radio if you had to or uh, whatever. I, I don't know if I totally agree with that just because there's there are a lot of images in this, it, and, and this is... I think it's required. I don't know if people real and like you. You may have had you may have had these in your lifetime. These long hour and a half, two hour drives late at night to yeah. a certain place, and like and and there's something to the feel of of that that you you require that I don't think radio can capture. And there's some there are some images in this that are really cool. Just seeing how the light reflects off of the windows and just how. Uh, just the night uh, imagery that goes on in this um, it's very plain and simple but at the same time I, I I don't know I don't I don't think you can totally do this on a radio show or anything like that you, you have to have that that driving feel that night feel that you know of all those things that are all those little weird places that you pass in the night onto this one place Um uh, so I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't get it when people don't like it, but I've run into more people who like it than don't. I agree. Um, I, I don't think I've met anybody who doesn't like it. Um, but you know, teach their own. I, I do have a question. How much of the budget for this movie do we think came from BMW? Oh, geez. I don't know. Like, I feel like they had to have gone at some point to maybe more than one car company and said, look, here's the movie. Mm-hmm. This guy's making all these dramatic, life-changing decision phone calls while he drives to London. Uh, we're going to be showing this car every frame. Oh, it could be very well a good bulk of it for sure. And I know also that this is this was a an agreement between Tom Hardy and Stephen Knight, the director, uh, that Stephen Knight would write the series that I can't remember which series this was that uh, Tom Hardy was in, but this was an agreement between them that Hardy would do this in exchange for Stephen Knight writing his, uh, series that oh, wow. later on. Um, but yeah, BMW probably picked up a good amount of this tab. You you would think Tom Hardy is probably not commanding a huge paycheck, even though he had done inception and stuff like that by this time. Um, uh, and, and that's all you have. That's all you have to pay. Really? You have to pay, you know, probably, uh, you know, England some money and then you have to pay <laughs> you have to pay England to play your your crew and Tom Hardy so yeah they did a, a TV series called Taboo uh, aired in 2017 and Stephen Knight was the uh, showrunner mm, okay yeah nice bit of trivia there I've not seen that show I may need to look it up mm-hmm. um, all right before we do questions though we do have two more items of business that's the first right being the super secret surprise double feature. Be very, very quiet. Secret? What secret? A dirty little secret. I tell you something I've never told anyone. Yes. Um. Interesting. Uh. Going through what uh what this could have what this could have been. I've, I I ran the gamut on this from stuff like Glen Gary Glen Ross, which is very like uh you know it's a nighttime film. Um. Yes. And and it's and it's got the same kind of uh. I mean it's not it's 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 very talky and it's very you know it's it's got that same feel it's got that that mm-hmm. feel of being up all night even though um even though tom hardy's drive is only an hour and a half and it's after work so it's not like he's right. doing this at like you know 11 12 one o'clock or whatever but um but uh another movie and this this is not the answer but another movie that i thought of and thought of this movie while doing it we did a uh, we did an uh, interview with um a director his name was eugene cotley arinko who did a movie called spree stars joe keery um Mm. uh and uh, it's it's this guy the whole movie 
talking to what his, his phone on a, in a, in, while he's driving around, uh, committing crimes. Um, uh, so it's, it's basically him, but it, it's not, it's this movie, that movie is so not really what Locke is. Locke is a lot quieter. Spree is a big, uh, loud, a louder kind of movie, especially with all the violence and everything that, that occurs in it. But ultimately I ended up on buried, uh, Ryan Reynolds, uh, movie where he's in a coffin, um the uh the whole time and he has and he has basically all he has is a cigarette lighter uh and a and a phone uh and maybe a couple of messages here and there or something to try to work his way out of the coffin by the end of it um, and a very unique technique of punching fingertip punching <laughs> that he learned after he climbed all the steps that's right that's right wiggle your left toe um uh but uh buried is one of those movies where it's just the one performer the whole time and i would uh, even though ryan reynolds is probably bigger in his career than tom hardy is in lock at this point um he was not huge huge when buried came out even though right. he had had a, a, a couple of hits that people referred to until deadpool came out um but uh but yeah this is another one where i i feel like this is a perfect this is that they, they would have a, 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 a this is you know these are similar in in some ways even though buried has got a lot more stakes to it um uh so uh yeah thought that would be a good one it looks like he patrick was just about to suggest buried right when you said it and he said damn it but i guess he got it in under the wire mm. um, <laughs> some people some people are saying uh, 11 14 oh um I, I, i'm not familiar with that film. i i think i've heard of that um let me see 11 14 that's oh. not the one with uh oh let's see uh 2003 uh, black comedy thriller ensemble cast Rachel Lee Cook Ben Foster right. hmm. Henry Thomas Barbara Hershey Clark Gregg yeah Colin Hanks all right okay Check that out and was it uh, was it it's uh, what is it about events leading up to an eleven fourteen p.m. car crash for five from five different perspectives interesting yeah. Um, I also see phone booth. Phone booth was one that I thought of actually as well, um, because that's basically Colin Farrell the whole time. The only thing is, but phone booth that ended up not picking it is because there are there are a lot of other characters that show up in phone booth. Yeah, Forrest mm -hmm. Whitaker shows up, and Rada Mitchell I believe is in there, and and uh, and um and, and uh but uh Kiefer sutherland's uh in his prime 24 voice going on in uh in phone booth uh but yes, phone indeed. booth is a great one that's one that i actually thought of and and was was a, a semi-contender there for a while i just forgot about it uh on that uh uh on that run but anyway yeah uh good stuff all right we are now ready if you get your pens and pencils out to jot down next week's homework mm -hmm. assignment it's Chris's choice this week. Chris, what is next week's big recommendation? Uh, next week, it is 1992's John Woo film Hard Boiled, uh, <laughs> starring Chow Yun-Fat. And um, now, I looked this up. I know one of the things that uh, has been a little bit frustrating for some is that we've picked a lot of movies that are not streaming. This one doesn't have an official streaming option but youtube someone uploaded this movie to youtube the entire movie about eight years ago mm. and i from what i can tell has never been dinged about anything so you can want you can hell? watch this movie on youtube two hours and eight minutes uh the full thing well i bet if we did a sins video for it they'd they probably it. would copyright they straight. probably would but uh this movie is bad fucking ass it is nothing but yeah. action supreme like the movie is two hours and eight minutes and i think an hour of it is set at a hospital uh uh at, at, for the for the climax so um wow. uh but this is this is john woo this is the reason why he ended up uh uh getting invited to america to make face off <laughs> and, 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 and broken arrow too. and stuff in uh and uh hard target and things like that we love the doves just do stuff that's with right. the doves. Okay? that's right but uh hard-boiled is uh is amazing i can't wait to start talking about that i haven't seen hard-boiled in years so i am Me looking neither. forward to revisiting it um 
I'm sure I only saw it because I rented it after I saw Face Off. I'm mm. sure of it. Um, uh, so it would have been like 93 or 94 since I've seen it. So mm. I'm excited about yeah. this one. Uh, lo- love the free on YouTube poll there. Cause I actually Googled and was like, I don't see any streaming services, but Chris had that one. right. Yeah. There. I looked this one up, just typed it in to, uh, after it, the, the, the real good app told me it was for rent on YouTube. It may very well be for all I know, but I typed the name of it into YouTube and the movie came up. So, uh, so you can watch right. it on YouTube. Mm. All right. Now. Let's move on to some yeah, questions. Absolutely. Question. Question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I am listening. All right. First up today, if you were throwing a party and could invite three movie characters, who would you invite and what would you have them bring? Loving the podcast and keep up the good work. I would like to state that I immediately interpreted the question to be food. But honestly, uh, I'm reading it now, and you could ask Batman to bring like his CD collection, same to play here, DJ I, or what have you. I th- <laughs> I interpreted his food as well because that's the the guest thing to do to bring you know a casserole or some rolls or something like that uh, to a to a big dinner party of some sort. But anyway, um, uh, first off, I'm going to start off with. Uh, what many of you might consider boring, Andre Gregory from My Dinner with Andre. I would invite Ooh. to this. Now that's a character he is ostensibly playing himself in my dinner with andre but um but andre gregory is going to bring the the conversation for sure okay uh okay he, he he's he's lived an interesting life uh then i'm going to have mary cameron diaz from there's something about mary okay um, and uh because because we need to have a a a funny woman who's also not not too difficult to look at as well okay. uh, yeah, uh, in, sure. in this party. Uh, oh, yeah. Andre is going to be bringing a snack from one of these getaways that he talks about in my dinner with Andre. Like he's been okay. to a lot of different places. Mary is going to bring foods on a stick because that's what they talk about in there's something about Mary. Foods on a stick. And then Ben Stiller brings up the food in a cone and nobody nobody does food in a cone anymore. Um, and then uh, and then we want uh, we're going to bring a, a, a Jules Winfield played by Samuel L. Jackson to our party. Um, uh, because at this point, uh, he may be wandering the earth like Kane and Kung Fu. He <laughs> may not be doing gangster shit anymore, but he will have a lot of great stories for us as well. And he's going to be bringing the tasty burgers. <laughs> he does know. I mm-hmm. mean, he has, he's the burger connoisseur. So mm-hmm. No. Yeah, exactly. It's very good. Mm-hmm. It's very good. You thought about more than just food. I kind of did a little bit. Uh, and I see a comment over here from Patrick saying, I love movies about eggs. I don't think I told him this, but my theme is eggs. So uh, the first person mm. I'm inviting is Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. And she's going to bring that egg sandwich yeah. for everybody from uh, Birds of Prey. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's Harley Quinn. She's going to keep things interesting at a party. Um, <clears throat> you might wake up in Nova Scotia party you, with Harley oh, Quinn. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I'm inviting V. From V for Vendetta, he's got lots of stories, uh, but he can also bring eggies in a basket for everybody. Mm-hmm, like he mm-hmm. cooks uh, for Evie. And then uh, there's a movie called Big Night that if you love food and love movies, you should watch with uh, Tony Shalhoub and Stanley Tucci playing brothers yep. who run a restaurant. It's all about making this big dinner for all these reasons and everything goes amok and whatever. But it ends with basically an uncut five-minute scene of Stanley Tucci making a frittata. Mm-hmm. And it's mouth-watering, but it's also just great movie-making. And uh, so, yes, yeah, Stanley Tucci's character is going to cook frittatas for everybody. That and would be fantastic. if you fantastic. don't like eggs, don't come to this party. And after this party, I don't want to be around you for a day or two. Mm-hmm. By the way, Patrick says uh, he would invite the wrestling announcer from Spider-Man, the snooty usher from Spider-Man 2, and the French waiter from Spider-Man 3, which are all Bruce Campbell. So, uh, you know, that would be a, a perfect thing to have three Bruce Campbells. In the same vein, Apathy says something about Larry Moe and Curly, and mm-hmm. and you know what? Bruce Campbell played Larry Moe and Curly, essentially, in Army of Darkness, because Sam Raimi is a huge Three Stooges fan, and he did a lot of like Three Stooges homages in that movie. Um, 
let's see what else is on there uh john travolta's character from pulp fiction several of those five dollar milkshakes hell yeah <laughs> genie yeah. from aladdin uh brings a hot tub kate bishop and yolana from hawkeye and they can bring bikinis Ooh, don't judge you're right you're right uh nick frost from hot fuzz audrey hepburn from whoa audrey hepburn from breakfast at tiffany's and maddie from euphoria oh my god everyone brings bacon so yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well that bacon party can happen right alongside my eggs party mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> yes we're, we're gonna co-mingle right mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. all right <clears throat> moving on to the next question in the spirit of one ian whittington watching the unbearable weight of massive talent and the northman back to back come up with a double feature you'd want to see with the most different and opposite movies possible this could have gone so many ways right i had so many thoughts of like the beginning movie and what it would go with and everything i saw i ended up on airplane and goodfellas (laughs) so you chose two good movies that are just opposite ends of the the the, i guess emotional spectrum yes Um, yes Oh man, what would be awesome is if there somehow was somebody in both of those movies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, I know. Um, yeah, I went, I went wrong. Um, I went Paddington two, and then I'm going to show you eight millimeter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's hilarious about this, aside from the 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 two, that is wrong as fuck. By the way, <laughs> um, aside from this uh, weird uh, combo, is that in the unbearable weight of massive talent nicholas cage has a thing like there's there's discussion about paddington 2 in that movie oh i've actually seen a clip of that on YouTube. oh you've seen the clip hilarious okay yeah where pedro pascal makes him watch it mm-hmm. and like oh paddington 2 is fucking amazing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, um <clears throat> good answers over here 12 angry men and everything everywhere all at once holy shit that's that is very different yes although everything everything everywhere all at once pairs with a lot of movies in this in this category because it's so unique um Um, oh paddington 2 and human centipede that's really bad that's really Uh, that's the same direction i was going though Mm -hmm. uh the mist and it's a wonderful life that's a good uh counter programming there Mm -hmm. Ten Commandments and the Aristic. Yeah, that, now that talk about some real like you're you're not only not only different thematically and <laughs> uh, tone wise, but you also have a one's a fictionalized uh, representation of something that happened and the other is a documentary <laughs> like the aristocrats might actually be more true than the Ten Commandments. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you may be right because uh, the Ten Commandments, much like Prince of Egypt, does not really give Aaron like his full propers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they tend to lean Moses heavy in that story. So yeah, maybe they fictionalized that as well. I still remember being on the Paramount lot with you when they told us the story of how that parking lot right there, filled with water, and the blue background on that building is where they shot the parting of the Red Sea. Yeah, yeah, blew my damn mind. Yeah. Um, all right, next <clears throat> question: Take a movie. Put it in a completely different genre while changing as little as possible. This may not be completely different genre because I think that it has some elements of this, but I would make the cable guy uh, a horror movie straight up. Oh, um, oh. Um, and and that way you you get I don't know it's I, I like the cable guy fine as it is I don't want to really change it really but. Just imagine if that's a, a real horror movie, or whatever, where the you know the the all the things that happen in there have a different tone, and it's either Jim Carrey playing it straight or it's some other actor because at the time Jim Carrey you know is going to always bring out some funny and everything. But uh, Cable Guy is borderline horror anyway. But this is the thing yeah. that I thought of. So no, that's what's fascinating is the story of that movie is they were originally leaning into comedy mm-hmm. and i think even chris farley was considered yeah and if they had made that a straight comedy with chris farley it probably would have made more money mm-hmm. uh yeah. but i feel historically that that movie was saved by ben stiller and jim carrey's decision to add that darkness mm-hmm. to there but yeah i would love to see it go all the way dark mm-hmm. see what that take looks like um <clears throat> i decided to on skyscraper yeah <laughs> because all you have to change is the score and the sound effects and it's instantly a comedy and it's no longer an adventure film uh, mm-hmm. because every literally everything that happens in that movie is absurd you just throw 
some, you know, boppity boop, 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 and some <laughs> laugh track in there. And this thing is number one hit. Um, <clears throat> what are the chat people suggesting? Patrick says he sees the Truman Show poster in the background and thinks that that could be a horror movie for sure. Truman Show is oh, a horror movie, definitely. A um, especially, I guess, if, I guess you, he would just never know it, uh, know that he's being filmed or he knows and he can't say anything or else he dies or something i don't know uh but yeah toy story is a horror film that definitely is on the table because we've seen we there, it, even toy story itself has some horror elements even though it's very light-hearted but it has yep. horror elements in it uh toy story is a horror movie would be good texas chainsaw as a musical holy shit well, um, you'd have to change a lot. You're going to put songs into that thing. But that yeah, but it would be fun. It would be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, 28 Days Later is an action movie. Uh, Die Hard is a musical. Um, Everybody wants so, singing. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway. All right. Well, let's move on to what will probably be our last question. Um, right. <clears throat> if you could cast yourself in a cameo role for one of your favorite properties or favorite directors, what would it be? And walk. Um, I would want to be in a Judd Apatow comedy, especially like early on when he was doing Knocked Up and Forty Year Old Virgin and stuff like that. He started to get a little bit more. It I wouldn't say dramatic, but stuff like This Is Forty, uh, and and even Trainwreck and stuff like that are they have more drama to it and funny people's the same way. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, it has more drama to it than normal, uh, even though they are basically just straight-up comedies, all of them. But I, I'd like to be in one of these movies where you have people who are you know, encouraged to uh, improvise, and, and I'm sure it's just a whole bunch of fun on the set. Uh, maybe it's not. I don't know. But uh, but uh, Judd Apatow, I feel like, would be a, a, a lot of fun to be on. I, and, I, you know, so that, that's, that's where my answer goes. I think that's a fascinating way to look at the question. Like, what would the experience be like being on set? And I wonder if that comes from you having actually experienced being on set of a film mm. where – Maybe wasn't so fun because you were face down in a mud puddle all afternoon. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, I just went for like the posterity of it all. Like, what would I want to see my own face in? Mm-hmm. Uh, anything in a Batman movie. I'll mm-hmm. play mm-hmm. any guy you want in a Batman movie. I don't need a line. Just zip by me, uh, and I'll be happy. I'll be like Stephen Colbert in the Hobbit movie. Most mm-hmm. people won't even see me. Uh, yeah, but. Uh, if I do get to have like a line or a scene, I think I would want to be in a Ben Affleck movie. Yeah. Um, because he's one of, in my opinion, the better directors, even though it's been a while for him directing. Although, did you see the news that he and Matt Damon are going to make a movie together that he's going to direct and they're going to co-star. It's going to be about the founders of Nike going oh. after Michael, going after Michael Jordan, no. who they eventually landed and put their company on the map. Um, so that sounds exciting to me. It sounds mm-hmm. like it could be a little Ford V Ferrari with a Ben Affleck touch. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> what do we see here in, a, um, in the comment an Edgar Wright movie? Yeah. Edgar Wright would be fantastic. Um, uh, although, uh, he's also like a, I think he's a techni- he's very technically brilliant and everything. And maybe, maybe, I don't know. I would, he's, you know, being on the set of those movies aren't as fun as they seem on screen, but he, he could be, he could be. I don't know anything about that behind the scenes. Of those <clears throat> yeah, movies. no, no, we don't know. Yeah. Um, this says, I, I think I understand this right. Donald Glover, I think he means like maybe he wants to work with Donald Glover and he wants to be. Yeah, a, and to be, to play white a horrible person. white person in a Donald Tr- Glover movie. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Put me in a red shirt, kill me on Star Trek. Ah, slab, is that Ian with your handle? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's a good answer. Yeah. Uh, uh, Chris could have a cameo as the guy behind Locke honking at him in traffic. Yeah, yeah. And and not much of a horn honker, but lately? Holy shit, am I a horn honker. Uh, uh, Patrick says, I'd want to see Chris and Jeremy in a Kevin Smith movie where they just randomly walk in and start sending everything. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be I'd be down uh, with that. We'll do that. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, Kevin so. a call, Patrick. See what he's you know, mm-hmm. got open. Yeah, absolutely. So... Uh, all right. I want to be a Wookiee in the Star Wars Holiday Special. Yeah, that's a good ending right there. Mm-hmm. Um, Bit my Wookiee. 
I beat the smart kids. Uh, <laughs> thank you, everybody in the chat. Um, thanks for coming out. Thanks for pivoting at the last minute to a new time. Mm-hmm. Uh, your homework for next week, both in the chat and listening later, is Chris Hard Boiled. Uh, yeah, get to see John Woo and Chow Yun Fat at their absolute best. Although there are some movies that contend for the title of their of their sure, respective sure. careers, but uh, this is mine. Like the replacement killer. Yeah, like the replacement <laughs> killers. Yes. Yes. That one that one fits. Also stars the aforementioned Tony Lung in it, so you you know, a lot of you who've just been introduced to him in Shang-Chi are going to get to see him and see why lots and lots of people find tony lung so attractive because that's what he is that's what he is he's attractive and he's amazing (laughs) anyway uh yeah that's going to do it for uh our episode of recotopia uh thank you guys for for watching us and thanks for listening see ya part of the live show by being a member of the sin club at patreon at patreon.com slash cinema sins chat with us on the cinema sins discord at discord.gg slash cinema sins or cinema sins twitter at cinema sins and email any comments or questions to recotopia at cinema sins.com that's r-e-c-o-t-o-p-i-a at cinema sins.com That'll give people time to go pee. That's good. Yeah, last couple of games, just not, just not seeing a team that's you know, on fire for Lord Stanley. <clears throat> yeah, they're not. Uh, they're they're not. Um, they're certainly allowing a lot of goals. They're not scoring as many as they should. Um, I don't know. I mean, it seems like every time I turn it on, it's like, I, I, and I haven't. I've I've yet to watch a full game in a long time. Um. But like every time I flip it on, it's like they hit a post and Willie Donick's like, oh my God, that's like three posts. I'm like, Jesus Christ, guys, maybe shoot towards something else now and try to get it in that way. It's funny during all of this uh, uh, looking through emails for uh, scripts and who wrote what scripts and all that. um, (laughs) There was one script that you turned in. I don't know how many years ago it was where it was like, it was like, uh, here's the final for blah, blah, blah. And the Preds fucking lost was the title. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, and, and you're like, like fucking Preds fucking lost. Here's the script for this. And <laughs> <laughs> like the whole soccer hooligan thing, like the European soccer, I don't know shit about it, except mm-hmm. it's evil and terrible. And mm-hmm. no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I know that they they'll, yell racial slurs at certain players in certain yep. arenas. Oh, yeah. And um, oh, yeah. I'm hoping American soccer uh, doesn't devolve into that, although seeing the Yankees pelt the Cleveland team with mm. debris doesn't mm-hmm. give me a lot of hope no. for American sports. No. Yeah, there's a, there's a whole video of um, uh, players, what they did after they heard uh, – heard uh, racial epithets being thrown at them uh in european soccer leagues and they're all like really awesome things that they did like um uh one 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 of them was like this guy walked off the field and his team uh, also walked off the field and the other team walked off the field awesome um so there so there's a lot there's a lot of there's a there's a video like uh top 10 things that happened when people were racist in soccer games or whatever that players did when people were racist and and it's really good really good video that's interesting oh let's get deep everybody yes yes get deep let's Mm -hmm. talk about death and yes death carbon taxes i got totally jobbed by this restaurant uh who did the whole pictures are way better than the actual presentation. I found Mm. this place that was even a little bit of a drive. And on the website, basically, in addition to a bunch of food, they had these amazing-looking charcuterie boards. Mm -hmm. And my wife and I weren't quite ready for full lunch, but we had some errands to run. And I was like, let's go all the way out to this place, get one of these badass charcuterie boards, 
And then along the way, driving back home, we'll hit all the places we need to do our errands. And if we get hungry, we'll stop for, you know, second breakfast or whatever. Mm. Uh, we get there, and it's two salamis I can buy in the store. Mm. Three cheeses I can buy in the store, specifically Munster, Gouda, and Swiss. Mm-hmm. Exotic. Um, five blackberries, a twig of maybe six grapes, um, an unwrapped like dove chocolate, and um, some salted cashews, oh. and uh, uh, some. Uh, well, they look like uh, communion wafers. My wife said they had a little bit of herb hint to them, but they were basically styrofoam little crackers. I yeah. was like, "This is not the picture. Yeah. This is not what's in the picture." I don't even. I'm not even going to tell you what I paid for that fucking thing. Uh, I'm sure I it got, was expensive, but you know what? It's probably not nearly as bad as what I paid for nachos at Regal. Um, oh. <laughs> oh no! This was about a year or two ago, um, and uh, oh, it might have been when I watched Tenet. Um, I'm not sure. I can't remember. Um, uh, it was it was it was a few years ago. Now the nachos that I remembered from working at Regal were perfectly fine. They weren't great by any by any stretch. But when you bought nachos, you had a reasonable expectation of how many nachos would be in there, and it was perfectly fine. Yeah, uh, it's still expensive. It's still overpriced, but whatever. You you get them and they're fine. But now they've reverted to bag of Tostitos or bag of Doritos, basically. That's so. I did not know this. I bought, uh, they had the Doritos version. And I was like, oh, cool. So they have some sort of Doritos version of the nachos that I remember buying at that. And then, and, and it took forever for them to find it and all this other stuff. And I was like, oh shit. And then, and then he shows up, you know, with a, with a, with a plastic tray and a fucking bag of Doritos in there, not even a big grab. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, oh, so I'm paying what? I think it was like, eight dollars or something for anything to dip it in or put it i think they put the cheese in sure and then you can and you and you ask for jalapenos and they have a little a little cup of jalapenos they don't put those out on the serving station anymore um and so like (laughs) i was sitting there going this is a bag of fucking doritos man this isn't even like some uh confectionery company's like version of doritos this is a fucking bag of doritos well this is um unconscionable. they're selling pepsi again right mm-hmm. yeah pepsi Which and doritos have an ancestral relationship 